Hi guys, welcome and welcome back to the podcast. I've been needing to watch that. I am your host, Monica, and I'm joined today once again by our great co-host, Glenn. Say hi, Glenn. Hey guys, how y'all doing? Hi. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. First of all, please be, be, be sure to follow. Be sure to follow us on Instagram. Be sure to uh, follow us on Spotify. Listen, tell your friends, share, all that stuff. And just right out the gate, I'm just letting y'all know. All right? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Great. So today, for today's podcast, we're going to talk about Dune. But before we get that, get into that, let's start with our Can't Wait to Watch, where we talk about upcoming TV shows and movies that we cannot wait to watch. So I'm going to go first, because uh, I have, a, I have like just like a few things, but my first thing is not uh, a movie or a TV show. Mm-hmm. It's music. And I honestly, I can't wait to listen to Summer Walker's album because she recently released it. Yeah, I was going to say, it's out. Yeah. Yeah, it's out. But I haven't had time to listen because, like, when I listen to new music, I have to, like, sit and I got to, like, be in the moment. Mm -hmm, You know, mm -hmm. like, I need to, like, sit down, take some time to actually listen to it. I can't listen to it while I'm in the car because, like, it's not the same thing. Because when you're driving, music is kind of like background noise, you know, like you're focusing on the road. Yeah. But... When I listen to new music, I have to be there in the moment. I want to like hear what she's saying. I want to hear the cadences. I want to do all of that. You know, so I can't wait to listen to it. You know, I don't agree with a lot of things Sir Walker says, but she has a good voice. Yeah, know? I get a little bit iffy about her, I guess, personality sometimes, but. Yeah, and some of the logic she uses in mm-hmm. her everyday life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I'm excited to listen to the album. I, I know it's going to be really good. Yeah. So what are you excited for, Glenn? So I am, I'll say I'm excited. I'll say I'm excited. There's this new, I'm not even sure if I'm going to call it a horror-esque movie, but this new movie um, called The Humans, which comes out in about a week, I think. Mm -hmm. So I think like next week is when it comes out. Um, And it's apparently, uh, so it's an A24 film, first of all, which means that's going to be very aesthetic. You know the vibes. Um, but it's apparently about this family getting together for Thanksgiving and like things start going wrong and there's like a supernatural element. Um, and honestly, the only reason why I'm excited is because I'm tired of happy Thanksgivings. Thanksgiving mm-hmm. is a holiday that usually gets left alone. Um, there's not too many movies about it. There's not too much criticism around it. It's just like Thanksgiving. And I would love if there's just a good horror movie that I can always associate with Thanksgiving so I don't have to pretend to be happy. You want you were looking for a Thanksgiving horror movie? I'm looking for a Thanksgiving horror movie. Really? We can we can bring horror all year round. Okay, that's just okay. That's a kind of weird uh, thing. Um, but sure, uh, yeah. Also, I know that like critics don't matter a lot, but like it does have I think like ninety two percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, and most of the people who have like watched it, like you know, what was like first shown, I think it was in Toronto. Um like everyone loved it. It got like smashing awards, whatever you call it. Um, so it seems to be good. So that's good. Um, I am interested though, mainly because I want to see how she'll turn out. Um, Amy Schumer is one of the people cast in this movie. Um, there's only like six characters. Um, okay. So I want to see if this is like a more serious movie. And she does a good thing. Because, like, I don't mind Amy Schumer, but I do think that a lot of the stuff she's 
been doing like her comedy isn't exactly my style and sometimes comes off as cringy but i do like her personality overall i think that she can be a very fun or entertaining person so if this is like a movie that like kind of maybe separates her a little bit from comedy and grounds her a little bit more in movies i'd be really interesting to see what she could do in the future okay all right i'm gonna say i never really liked amy schumer because um she did this really like poorly done um, you remember when she did that movie where she got hit over the head and then suddenly she felt pretty? Yeah, uh, it was like, I think it was just called I Feel Pretty. Yes, yeah, those are the type right. of things I'm talking about when I'm like cringy, not my taste. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that she's like a bad actress, you know? Okay, I think she is, but okay. we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I don't know, maybe it'll be good. I think, isn't, isn't uh, Steve... The man from Minari, isn't he in that movie? Isn't he um, Steven Yoon. Yes. Yoon? Yes, yes, yes. Love him, yes. Okay, awesome, great. All right, well, maybe we'll give it a shot. Uh, it'll just okay. be interesting. There isn't much coming out right now, so I was like, it, it piqued my interest. You're right, yeah. Uh, one movie trailer that I think recently came out, maybe it was today, maybe it was yesterday, was the Netflix film Don't Look Up, and it stars Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence, and um, it's a movie about two scientists, Jennifer and Leo are the scientists, and they find out there's a comet heading to Earth, and the comet's going to destroy the Earth, like it's going to kill the Earth. And when you're watching the trailer, it's like uh, Meryl Streep is the president, Jonah Hill is like her VP or like her. Um, Whoa, what? What is this cast? This is yeah. Am I looking at the right movie? Yeah, the cast is insane. Ariana Grande is in this movie. We have Leonardo. Timothy Chalamet, Jennifer yeah. Lawrence, Ariana Grande, Jonah Hill, Chris Evans, Lance Norris. Lance Norris is obviously the least impressive I've ever I just said. But still. Yeah, huh? this, this cast of people is it's insane. Like, I was watching the trailer, and I saw, like, I think Kate Blanchett is, like, in the movie, too. But she's just sitting next to Tyler Perry. So I was like, y'all still booking this man for movies? And I was like, oh, it's Kate Blanchett. And I was like, well, why is he? he- never mind. Like, never mind. But... The movie, it's supposed to be like a commentary on like climate change and how like there's literally something happening where people are going to die and like people need to like like pay attention to it or else we're like literally going to die. Like there isn't much time left. Mm-hmm. And like there's one bit in the trailer where like the government finds out that the meteor has trillions of dollars of resources in it. So they want to try and catch the meteor with an with like a, a what's it called? A spaceship? A rocket. a rocket. No, they're going to try to get with a net. With a butterfly yeah. net, actually, they're just going to, like, hold it up. Glenn, don't, don't <laughs> insult my intelligence. No, I'm not insulting you. I'm insulting the government. I'm insulting no. the government. Okay, okay. But they're trying to, like... It's just, like, a bunch of, like... Also, there's, like, Ariana Grande and I think Kid Cudi. Yeah, Kid Cudi's in it. Yeah. And they're supposed to, like, have a concert to bring awareness to the comet. I think that's also in the movie. I don't know. The trailer is hilarious. I think I really like the trailer. It's uh, the movie is written, directed, and obviously produced by Adam McKay. Mm-hmm. And you know, directors love to do that thing where they're like, oh yeah, written, directed, screen, da 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 da. Like I produced this. I literally like I shaved Leonardo DiCaprio's face for this movie. I did everything. Like we get it, babe. We get it. You were yeah. part of the movie. We love it for you. But uh, Adam McKay, who also did Step Brothers, I think it was the movie Step Brothers. He has created this movie on climate change, which is like cool, great, awesome. You know what you could also do to help bring awareness to climate change? You could sponsor a fucking bill. How about that? 
sponsor a fucking bill. Hmm. How about you go visit our friend Joe Biden and tell him to get to work, okay? There are Native American students sitting on the seats of the steps of the Capitol going on hunger strikes, and you're making a movie with Leonardo DiCaprio in it. Yeah, um, <laughs> if you want to do something about climate change, I'm not sure if you realize this, but um, we actually have a climate here in the real world, too, and it is also not going very well. So... Like, there are literally Native American people that are protesting on their land that was taken to them by colonizers and those same colonizers, their descendants are now trying to get oil in the land and poison people's water supply. What you could do is donate to those reserves, especially the people, because the American people have been sick from COVID for so long throughout this whole pandemic Mm -hmm. and they can't get medical assistance. They don't have addresses because reservations and all this other BS. So maybe the money you took to make this movie and pay Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence to act together, maybe you could have taken that money bought jennifer lawrence a better wig and sent that money to some reservations but you know wig that wig was trifling it was hard like the bangs and then it was a cap shaved and it was the back it was bad it was and that was just the trailer (laughs) that was just the trailer i was looking at that i was like "Mm -mm, babe we got to do something else like they could have given you a bob they could give you a pixie cut this is not working for you like this is not good but you know, if you want to make your cute little movie, mm, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Do you have anything else for I Can't Wait to Watch? Um, They aren't like immediately like coming out, coming out. But obviously Disney Day was earlier this week. Oh. And so like a bunch of new titles were announced. Do you know what wasn't announced? What? Do you know what wasn't announced? What? A single Star Wars property. There was not... If throughout the entire day, not a word of Star Wars was breathed. Not a single word was uttered about it. We got that Lando poster from like months ago. They didn't even bring it up. They didn't even mention it. Nothing about like Han Solo, nothing about Obi-Wan Kenobi and his series, nothing about like Clone Wars, Bad Batch, nothing about Future Moon, nothing. Not a single word. How do you have Disney Day and not mention a single word about Star Wars? I have a Star Wars rant, but I'm going to save that to the end of the podcast. Okay. Because okay. I, I saw some news recently, and I have a friend of mine. She's like, she's in like the um, news journalism sector, and she mm-hmm. also is like deep in Star Wars and like fandom culture, like I am. So she and I, we were talking about a little something that happened recently, and we're going to save that for the end of the podcast because I will go off. Okay. But um, yeah, I think that's what I wanted to talk to you about because like i know that next week we're gonna talk about eternals mm-hmm. but i think that like next week we should also talk about the new marvel stuff yeah like the disney day and like mm-hmm. talk about like where we're going from here like what do you think the plan is like what's the move what's the vibe because oh, also the trailer for uh no way home also dropped and i haven't watched it yet i'm waiting mm-hmm. to i haven't watch watched it. it either yeah so that's gonna be a good thing to discuss for next week mm-hmm with all the Star Wars stuff too, but I'm still going on my Star Wars rant after at the okay. end of the podcast. I will, I will, because I have some things. As you to should, say. I feel like you can't be a Star Wars fan and not have a rant at this point. After those movies, after the the three like seven, eight, nine, I guess Rogue One in there too. Everyone has at least one Star Wars rant. It might be different opinions, but everybody has a Star Wars rant. I just have to say, J.J. Simmons. 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 I think you're right. Yeah. Homie who did the last Star Wars movie? Yeah. 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 When I see you in Atlanta, it's on site. <laughs> when I see you on Peachtree Boulevard, I see you down in Midtown, I got you. 
I got you. And I know you're working with Jordan. He ain't finna help you. He ain't finna protect you. Trust me. Because when Jordan sees me walk up, he knows what time it is. He knows what time it is, okay? So good luck. That's all I gotta say. Thank you very much. Yes. Okay then. Oh, also, Passing. Passing is a new movie that just came out on Netflix. And it stars Ruth Nega and Tessa Thompson. And I think it's based off of a book. And I believe I read the book. I think I'm pretty sure I read the book in like high school or something. And it's basically about um, this woman who's like very light skinned, obviously. And she's living through life pretending to be a white woman. And the way that the film and the cinematography uses like, like black and white between the movies to kind of show like how people of color, how we see light-skinned people and how white people see light-skinned people. Because white people see people racially ambiguous and they don't really assign anything to them, you know? And we'll see people who are racially ambiguous and they're like, oh, that's Latina, they're black. Like we automatically assume, mm -hmm. you know? Because we're used to seeing people in different skin tones, different shades and different perspectives. And I believe, oh my gosh, the girl who directed it, Rebecca Hall, I believe that's her name. She's a really good director too. And I believe she's also black, but she's also one of those people who are like black in the way that um, Halsey is black in the same way okay. that uh, Homegirl from Parks and Rec is black. Okay. She's like Quincy Jones's niece or something. What's mm -hmm. her name? She was, um, what's her name? Mm. Frick, I her name. She did, frick. She literally directed Quincy Jones's documentary on Netflix. Rashida, uh, Rashida? Rashida Jones, yes. Yeah, like she's black in the same way that they are black, like mm -hmm. obviously, or in like, yeah. So that's also something I'm very excited to watch because I, at first, like I was like kind of hesitant on watching it because like I feel a certain type of way about colorism in Hollywood, but I think that's going to be an interesting watch. So I can't wait to see that. And I also need, like, it's been a while since Netflix has released an actually good movie, you know? For real. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to take my time to watch that as well. Nice, nice. Anything else for you, Glenn? I don't think so. All right. So if that's it, we're going to get into the movie Dune. If you guys don't know about the film Dune, um, well, girly, where have you been? Hallelujah, absolutely. <laughs> like it's been out for like over a month. No, about a month now. About a month now. It came out in October, like mm -hmm. end of October. Mm -hmm. So the film is based off of a very popular sci-fi series. I believe it has four books. No, three. It has three. Yeah. It has Dune. It has um, Dune something. And like Children of Dune, right? Yeah, so it's... Is it? Oh, wait, wait. Oh, it's six books. We are, we're dumb. We're oh, wrong. Yeah, okay, were, so it's Dune. Right? Yeah, yeah, Dune. Dune Messiah. Children yes. of Dune. And then the yes. spinoffs are God Emperor of Dune. Heretis of Dune and uh, Chapter House Dune. So those are the spinoffs, those last three that I said. Right. So this movie, Dune, it is directed by Dennis Veneuve. Sorry if I mispronounced that wrong. I believe he's also the director of Scario. Mm -hmm. or Sicario. I believe that's the film that he also has directed. And it was released on HBO Max as well as released in theaters. But a lot of people have been seeing it in theaters. And it's done pretty well. It's still on HBO Max. It's going to be taken off like next um monday i think they're taking it off but yeah, still that makes sense yeah it's super popular still and music by hans zimmer it's a phenomenal movie it's about this kid paul paul not he's a really like he's young he's not a kid but he's a young man and he was born to this great destiny mm -hmm. and his father is a duke and there is a 
very much like malevolent forces are at play and there's conflict over like the planet's um supply of like precious resources like yep. sand which is like a hallucinant <coughs> drug that you can take mm-hmm. and water you know obviously yeah because it's, it's a desert type of um climate on this planet yes and honest only like those who conquer the world will survive in this land so the movie is kind of like a very emotionally charged hero's journey and it was there was a film done about there's a film done previously i believe in like the 60s and then there was a mini series in the early 2000s mm-hmm. and then they've made this film which is dune part one yeah. and there's supposed to be a part two to this film and possible spin-offs are in talks right now yes. but i think dune part two is basically what they're focused on next yes dune part two is officially greenlit and they have confirmed that they've started working on it um so yeah it's officially happening awesome which obviously the movie did well so the movie is like really good and i think like there are a lot of people i've a lot of my friends were kind of like either like this movie is great this movie's really good this movie's awesome or they're like this movie's kind of boring but i think that my friends of mine who thought the movie was boring was really there just for zendaya you know what i mean so yeah i 100% get that and i have a whole rant about that but more importantly Mm -hmm. yes i will tell you this movie is a long movie it's like it's right around three hours, I believe, right? It's, it's something like, right around. It's two hours and it's literally two hours and 30 minutes. Is it actually? Like that's how long it took me to watch it. Okay. So, so it is a little bit of a longer movie and a lot of it is very, I guess I'd say exposition based. So it does seem to be going slow, slower because it's not a like sci-fi action adventure. Mm-hmm. It's a very, you know, it's treaties, it's training, it's yes. betrayal, it's invasion it's not flying through space it's giving us like more soap opera and less star wars yes very much so um and so yeah obviously like if you went into it one for zendaya um or if you went into it expecting it to be very star wars-esque because like i feel like most people like i guess mainstream we don't really have another sci-fi series besides like star trek Mm -hmm. and star wars and both of those are very similar like obviously the different stories but they're very similar in concept and how they Mm -hmm. display like space travel and aliens and all that sort of stuff and so the we really don't have like a connection between like space type adventures that are more normal and less cgi action blasters you know, we don't have more normal space adventures. So I think that threw everyone for a loop. It definitely threw my friends for a loop because I watched it for the first time with like three or four of my friends and most of them were like semi-bored during it. Yeah, there is a lot of dialogue and there's a lot of just like, obviously because it's part one, there's a lot of the film is setting up the background so people can understand it. And Mm -hmm. what I realized, I think you told me this like before, like the week last week, was that I don't really need to know anything about the book because the way they're setting up the movie is that so you don't have to read the book. Yeah. You can just like go into it. Mm-hmm. And I think that like I've watched a couple reviews about the movie and then I rewatched the movie like just last night, mm-hmm. just so I could like have it fresh in my mind. Yeah. And a lot of people have said that the film does a pretty good job staying true to the book in the same way that the miniseries did because the miniseries is a bit longer mm-hmm. and they want to stay true to the adapted material so a lot of people said that, like the book and the movie are pretty similar there are some things that they did change like in the movie and in the miniseries they started off with the narration about the sun yeah. awakening 
but mm-hmm. instead in the new film in 2021 they did like the voice or like the sarkar's um, yeah. rope mm-hmm. dialogue mm-hmm. with like dreams are what they say dreams are dreams are like memories or dreams yeah. are made from other people so the, yeah. it's it was something like that i don't remember the exact word in Yes, and it was basically like setting up, uh, telling us about Duke Leto, who is Oscar Isaac in the film, and Lady Jessica, who is Rebecca Ferguson, and talking about like how he's like a leader and like he has like all this like intergalactic power, and there is this responsibility on the House of Atreides to kind of like to the planet, desert planet Arrakis. And immediately when he said that he would like take care of Arrakis, like mind the spikes, I was like, okay colonizers got it mm-hmm. cool, cool, absolutely cool, cool, great, great, mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. and then the other guy came in it was um homie who's like shaped like an egg or something um gurney um gurney halleck or whatever yeah the guy who played um he played thanos right josh Brolin. roland is that okay. the guy you're talking about that's not the guy i'm talking about i'm talking about the other dude who's in the rain planet who has the soldiers in the rain you know what I mean? Oh, isn't that um? He has a Batista as his leader. What's like his Dave name? Batista works for him. He's is that Glossu? Like, is that the name of? I the think so. Glossu Robin. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like those two people are like kind of like battling it out. Um, and what was I gonna say? Yeah, basically, like the movie is just like the. I get that, like people when they watch sci-fi films, they expect like action. Or they expect romance because too many people have seen films like Tenet or like The Host or other like popular like sci-fi films like Men in Black, I guess, is another one. And a lot of times when people think of sci-fi, they think of like action, 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 dying, mm-hmm. dying, dying. But this film takes more of like, here's what's happening, here's the background. And there aren't too many people in the movie. There aren't too many characters, no. to be honest. A lot of times when you're watching sci-fi films, they introduce like 12 people at the beginning and then you don't remember anybody. Yep. Like in the middle of the movie, like people keep popping in and out, in and out. You're just like, what's going on? Who are you? Why are you here? Mm-hmm. But I think the movie does a good job of keeping like a tight cast and a really good cast to kind of like have you like kind of move forward with what's going on so you can understand like what's going on because there are some parts of it that I was watching and I was kind of like hmm but eventually when you're like you kind of like just like watching it you just gotta yeah. like oh, okay yeah you know what I mean mm-hmm. exactly it does, like I said it does a very good job of like guiding you I guess just like trust the process yeah trust the process that's definitely it and I like oh god we're let's just start from the beginning right okay. so <laughs> Jesus Christ, I already <laughs> forgot her name. Lady Jessica is uh-huh. with Leto, and they have the son, Paul, mm-hmm. and they're going to the desert planet to kind of like mine for spice, get money, sustain the army, da 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 da, resources, yes. respect the people, all that stuff. While this is happening, Paul is having dreams. Paul is like going through like um, the hero's journey, so mm-hmm. to speak, yeah. where it's the um where he's like having the dreams he's having the visions he's given this destiny he doesn't know what it is he feels weird he wants to be a normal kid and he feels like a freak and his mom is like connected to this weird like religious zealot group that are looking to him to like be the savior the messiah the chosen one you know mm-hmm. the harry potter of it all yeah and he meets the older lady forget her name that's my bad 
Uh, wait, let me look it up real quick. I really should have. I don't know what happened to my notes. The um, Gaos? Uh, the lead, the uh, Gaius, yes, Gaius. Yeah, Gaius. Yes. He meets Gaius and she tells him to put his hand in the box. And like, when he dropped the line, what's in the box? I'm like, okay, Dennis, you, we get it. You're funny. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you for the little note. But that was actually funny. I did chick a little bit. Thank you. Thank you for the humor. Thank you for the humor. That We loved that. We enjoyed that. But he puts his hand in the box and he's like, while he's putting his hand in the box, he is basically like going through these dreams and she can kind of see his dreams as well. And so when he takes his hand out, she's kind of like, he's not ready yet. And then I think it was his mom or Gaius. And they're like, he's near. Like the one is near, the chosen is near. Mm-hmm. And I was watching, I was like, yeah, he's right there. But also I was thinking like, is he though? You know, like, is he near? Like, is he close? Like, is he almost there to like, understanding yeah what's going on you know what i mean i did further research and i realized that like when they said he's near it's not paul supposedly it's supposed to be paul's sister because lady jessica is surprised pregnant or it's supposed to be paul's son yeah yeah it's it's it probably won't end up being paul i'm i'm assuming they're going to continue going that direction that paul is not the chosen one that they've been waiting for mm-hmm and I like, um, I think that like the dream aspects is, can be a little confusing for people, but I feel like I kind of understood it to a certain point where um, he was having these visions, right? And mm. he first had this vision of Chani, who is Zendaya's character, yeah. and how she was like nice to him and like he had a dream of her and then she stabs him and it's like scary, it's spooky, it's, it's like, oof, what, why, why did that happen? But then as you continue on throughout the movie, his visions of her change and she's like nicer and she's softer. And I think like in the beginning when he had that vision of her, it was obvious that she was like of the desert people who- mm-hmm. The Freeman? Yeah, the Freeman. Yeah, the Freeman. The Freeman and the blue eyes, the blue men. And um, how like he kind of has this kind of idea of them that's a little based on xenophobia, to yeah. be honest, of, like mm-hmm. savages or whatever. So he thinks that like this girl, this Freeman is going to obviously stop him. They're not trustworthy. They're like, they live out in the woods. Like they live in the desert, you know, like what are they doing there? Yeah. But as he spends more time there in the desert and he spends more time, like, I think inhaling the spice, mm-hmm. just really like taking in like the time and like kind of like awakening himself a little bit and getting more um, connected to like that little part of him, you know, the voice and everything. He, his visions of her change and she's nicer and she's softer. And you can also see how his visions change with Jameis, who is one of the generals that they meet when they see uh, like Javier Bardem's character near the end of the movie, where first, at first he's like a mentor and he's kind and he's Mm -hmm. nice to him and he can learn from the desert man. But then when Jameis like challenges his mom and he steps up as the mom's champion to take on the fight for his mother, he sees the vision of him killing him. So yeah. the dreams, it's not like, he's not like a psychic, but he's not time traveling, but it's kind of like Dr. Strange, you know, where Dr. Strange can see 14 million possibilities at mm-hmm. once and he can see them too, but it's based on the certain actions that you take and the, um, 
the actions that you take and the decisions you make in that moment and the decisions you make changes the future. Yeah. And that's why there's mm-hmm. so many different possibilities. And I think it's also like people have told me that Dune is seen as a warning to the sacred trope, how like oftentimes people in these shows, in these movies are so quick to be the chosen one and be the leader and be the leader of the revolution, like Katniss Everdeen or whomever. They take on the mantle without really thinking about the consequences and what could happen. Mm -hmm. And this movie really does kind of like sit back and really does like break down like what could happen if this young boy who was the son of a duke decides to take on and lead a war across the world, across the lands, spanning for centuries, people killing in your name. And he had the vision of that. He got freaked out and scared by it. As he should. As he should, because that's a lot to take on for one kid. Like he's Mm -hmm. like probably barely even 21 in the movie, in the film, in Mm -hmm. the book. Yeah. So I, when he, like, when I was watching the movie, I thought that was really interesting. And I kind of like how they showed us the dreams and showed us the visions because like you can easily understand it as like visions and visions change and it's not just him like understanding the future but just seeing it in like different projectiles based off of decisions you make in certain moments Mm -hmm. yeah also i really like with that like since it's kind of a criticism almost of like the savior trope i do like i feel like it would be very bad for them unless there's like great change in paul throughout the story to make him end up being the hero you know since it's you because like part of with um the criticism of like the savior trope is like not only do they often take on that role without realizing the consequences that could come with it but a lot of times they really aren't the best leader like if we look at some other uh like ya fiction like katniss everdeen not a leader um Tris Pryor from Divergent not yeah, a leader not a like leader. they kind of get they kind of get forced or kind of assume the role but objectively they are not the ones that should be in the role yeah that's they, very true they don't have like the skills whether that's leadership skills communication skills usually they don't have like any experience whatsoever not saying that you always have to have that to be a leader but like if they if we weren't reading a story that was the fact that they are the main character, they would not be the leader in that scenario. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it also like it does fall into like the white savior trope mm-hmm. because there's this rich white boy who's coming in to help like the native people of this land and help like protect them or save them. Because mind you, oh my gosh, bro, we need to talk about the freaking battle that yep. happened. Yeah. Let's get into that because wow, how did that happen? Bro, I don't even know. I don't understand. Like, okay. <laughs> it's like how you have this big of an army, this many ships, and somebody sneaks up on you, like whoop, like huh? Whoop. Just like that. It takes y'all all out. And it really did surprise me. It really did take me out when like it was the 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 the, the doctor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was the inside man. That was the mole. That made me so sad because the doctor was actually really nice and like genuinely helping them. And like the man was like, "I he has my wife. Like he's sick. Like he's killing my wife. Like I I can't. I have no choice." I was like, "Dang." And the thing is, they got him too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because when they took out the maid, I was like, "Dang." They had one black woman in this movie, and she died with two lines. Absolutely. Like (laughs) cut out. 
absolutely just took her out completely unfair and um what was it the okay yeah the people like from the other planet the reigning planet the mm-hmm. planet they're coming in they're like you know moving in yeah and um the doctor gives leto a tooth and that if he bites down yeah, the tooth, a poison tooth mm-hmm. yeah it'll be his last breath but it could also be the other guy's last breath and i knew when he gave him that tooth i was like oh no the doctor's gonna die oh buddy jesus mm. christ this is this is not good like this is so sad and i was watching and by the way whenever i watch a movie and like there's a fight scene where like one group of people one country one army is absolutely definitely going to die man i check i'm like dang well i mean a for effort a for effort <laughs> oh my gosh participation trophy for real though because when josh Brolin said with me with me i was like okay Oh, like, okay with you bro and they're like they're bombing every single ship they're bombing all your tanks they're taking you out without even a breath like mm-hmm. when it was the like oscar isaac's army coming forward and the other people coming in i was like nah y'all are done for it was a nice try though <laughs> like good on you for like i don't know like holding up your honor fighting till the end yeah and okay wait, no with, with that poison tooth though yeah i'm mad Okay, because how did some of the people around, like some of the random guards that were in mm-hmm. that room died of that poison gas, but the mm-hmm. guy who was three millimeters away from his face when he bit it, did it? He just rose to the air and shrunk into the corner like a scary little spider in his little cocoon. Like, how? Like, no. Like, I understand that we need, like, a big baddie for, like, mm-hmm. part two, but at the same time, no. At least make it believable that he didn't die yeah don't and don't also, spit in my face like this and also we don't really need a bad guy because we still have gaius oh true with mm-hmm. her crew because she literally threatened rebecca and she was like if he doesn't step up to play i got some other hoes so what's up you you are very requestable babes all right you said he will be ready he ain't cooked yet he ain't done i got right? 20 other bitches with blue eyes on standby so in the <laughs> oven we ready to go all right how 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 is he not ready because she looked in his dreams and she could see that like his dreams were changing and there weren't like certain outcomes because there wasn't one like pinpoint like this is a future this mm-hmm. is what's going to happen it kept changing it kept like switching up based on like different decisions so she was like uh uh-uh, he's too loosey-goosey he's too wishy-washy there's no we can't do this well yeah uh-huh. i mean so like i understand that like absolutely i would rather like if i have to be led by someone i would like to be led by someone who definitively knows the future not someone who cut because i kind of know the future okay i could either pass my next test or i could fail it okay but that doesn't help me i need someone who it's set in stone like he looks into the future and he's like we do this this and this and then this will happen yeah definitely i believe i truly do like agree with that and it's so like just like seeing the seeing the little like the people with like the mind and like the dreams Mm -hmm. it's interesting like i'm definitely i feel like i don't know how much part two will focus on his voice and like how that contributes to him and like what he says with frequency how he controls people Uh, talking i would love to learn more about it and i i would rather i would less like an explanation through a movie and more of like an analysis through like a tv series possibly because they released it on HBO Max. So if y'all can like green light, like maybe a spinoff with one of the other people she got cooking in the oven, 
so we could kind of see how it works and like learn more about the society i would be more interested in that dune yeah. part one and a half <laughs> yeah dune <laughs> 1.5 dune 1.5 or like dune the prequel learn <laughs> dune a little bit more about that mm-hmm. yeah i would like to learn about that but i also found it interesting the kind of similarities and major differences with the people that are living within the desert um the freemen and the difference between them and um the guy who's like who's hid in the corner and shrunk himself yeah um fuck which guy would buy it was that um i feel dumb (laughs) um vladimir something Vladimir Hark Harkin Hark Yeah, I think it's Vladimir Harkin. Yes, Baron Vladimir Harkin Harkinen. I didn't realize that Stellan Skarsgård played him. Neither did I. Wow. It threw me off because I saw him here. I was like, who? Wow. Who's- Bro, the makeup they did for him is crazy. These are professionals. Yes. Anyways, he- what are you saying? He is a professional. Also. That freaking um, nepotism in that family, damn. For once, nepotism works in our favor. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Ain't, none of them are bad actors. None of them. They're all good actors. That's the one time I see nepotism and I'm like, all right, I'll let you, I'll let it slide. I'll let it go. I'll let, I'll let it happen. You know what? It's okay. Mm-hmm. Y'all good. Y'all good. Yeah. Yeah. I respect it. I respect it. But it's so interesting, the similarities and differences with the Harkonnen and the Freeman because um, the Harkonnen, they are very much like totalitarian government. They live in cold, harsh weather. They train their soldiers from the time they're like five or six. And the training, you can kind of see in the beginning of the movie where the men are kind of like lined up and like kneeling and it's raining. And they're oh, yeah. mm-hmm. like, it's always raining. And they're like putting the blood on their foreheads and everything. And you can see like there are the men kneeling that are already soldiers and there are men who are like, being hung upside down naked or like training as soldiers. And I just want to say this. Y'all need to stop showing me naked men and not showing me any dicks. Ladies and gentlemen, we have Dennis, yet again not Dennis. made it through a podcast without talking about right. dicks. All right, this well, currently makes six in a row. There has not oh. been a single episode since I joined this podcast that we have not brought it up in one way, shape, form, or another. How long do you think the street can keep going? Stop. Stop it. What was the last time? Last time I talked about it was the Gone Girl one, right? No, because we talked about it in Midsummer. Okay, um, we talked about it last time. Shoot, shoot, oh. there was, I forget what we were talking about last time. But we talked about it with you, because we talked oh. about um, <laughs> Joe get, getting everything. Oh, yeah. Um, we have definitely brought it up in every single episode. I'm like 99% sure. Listen, don't judge me, all right? <laughs> don't, don't, don't call me out like this. Jesus <laughs> Christ. I'm just singing. I'm calling I'm us out. Y'all have Oscar Isaac laid there in a chair, fully nude, and you have the table block. Stop playing. Stop playing with me. It's 2021. It is a month away from 2022. Show me. Show me. You're on HBO. You can show me. Show me. Exactly. Let me see. Move. Still move. (laughs) Don't make me jump into that set and remove the table. I'm moving that (laughs) chair. I'm pushing the chair to the side. I'm going to see. I'm taking a peek. Not in a creepy way, but like in a curiosity kind of way. Like... (laughs) The way, like, I watched Game of Thrones. I watched all the seasons, all right? I've seen enough itty-bitty titties to spare me a lifetime, all right? Absolutely. Let's flip the tables a little bit. Let's, Let's flip the script. 
yes, flip the script a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. No narration and just like maybe two dicks. Thank you very much. Yo, okay, that's asking too much. That's asking too much. Listen, they had all these in the same movie. Absolutely not. They had all these kids tied up upside down, naked. What was it? The CGI? I thought you didn't use CGI in this movie. What's up? What y'all hiding? You can make a giant worm appear out of the sand in the desert and come up with this thousand teeth like a giant butthole, but I can't see one dick. Okay, that's fine. I get seven minutes of Zendaya and no dicks. That's okay. I got you. I got you, Dennis. I'm gonna see you. I'm gonna see you later. Yeah, you finna hear from me. I'm sending you a letter. Okay. That being said, <laughs> that being said, um, Vladimir corrupt power mm-hmm. hungry yeah raises young men from the age of five until like there were like i think that um the, the training to be a soldier is so rigorous that some people don't make it until like 11 like some kids just don't make it they die so the soldiers they do have are the most bloodthirsty blood hungry vicious brutal soldiers that they have in their army and in comparison to the freemen yeah who I think are trained in the way of the harkonnen army and also the freemen fighting so they have a lot more like rhythmic fighting style and you could see it when um timothy chalamet and his mama visited homegirl at the freeman camp and then the harkonnen soldiers were moving in and the freemen just came out the dust you know, doing this very soaked so lay, very much mystery, very much gasp, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Coming up and killing them, taking them out. Most of the army, taking out most of them, but not all of them. You know, yeah. Jason Momoa, he took care of the rest of them. Because for some reason, Jason Momoa is, I don't know, immortal or something? Like, I was watching him fight and I was like, oh, this is real. Like, I saw him jump off of one body to another. I was like, yeah, he did that. He did yeah. that for real. There's no sun yeah. doubles. There's no CGI. That That is just Absolutely Jason Momoa. Not. This that is, is Jason, Jason Momoa. They didn't choreograph his choreograph his fight at all. Yeah, he. he just, like, they just said, "Come at me," and just keep keep the camera rolling. Yeah, he was like, "Oh, <laughs> ten people, ten, two knives, one That's take." All I need. <laughs> He's like, maybe another one, just so y'all could get my good side. You know, y'all get both sides. But oh, one take, two angles. There we go. Yes. One take, two angles. <laughs> two angles. Don't get both the cameras in a shot. You know what I mean? I got you though. I got you though. You got Absolutely. Yeah, like that. That was so good. And that, like, it's interesting because, like, they both, both of the communities live in, like, harsh climates, mm-hmm. have, like, very vigorous fighting styles. Like, they fight to the death, like, very much, like, taking each other down, no mercy. But obviously, like, the freemen are less focused on, like, capitalistic wealth and gain and more on, like, nature and, like, staying grounded and oh, all imagine. that stuff. And then, like, the Harkonnen are very much brutal, cold. Like, everybody in that planet is just, like, gray, just, like, dead. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's kind of an interesting contrast. And I can't wait. Because, like, at the end of the film, he's not dead. Like, he's sitting in the black goop of black tar. And he's talking to Batista. And Batista's like, what should we do? And he's like, kill the freemen, all of them. And they're in the camp with the Freemen. So obviously in part two, they're going to see that Timothy Chalamet and his mama didn't die. They're still around. And that's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see them fight. 
like to see them fight against the Harkonnen because we saw like the force and the power of them against an established army mm-hmm. with Leto and like those people were soldiers like like Josh Brolin was ready to take them all down he was ready he was prepared like your man he'd been drinking his egg yolks and he shaved his head like he was he had the strength of like Samson without the hair of Samson he was ready to take everybody down but it's going to be very interesting to see the difference between like a Harkonnen against like an established army mm-hmm. and a superpower in country against like just the freemen who are like living in a desert and hide in the sand. You know what I mean? Yeah. Those aren't exactly what I think of when I think of like a strong military force. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything you would like to add, um, Glenn? Anything uh, you have? I need to rant about Zendaya. Go we ahead. need to rant about Zendaya. Because so here's the thing zendaya wonderful lovely amazing great her. actress we all know beautiful gorgeous wonderful Absolutely. um with that being said mm. they say that uh, don't meet your heroes because like they'll let you down and they say that like no matter how famous or how nice someone seems they're always going to do something and it will hurt you like you know if you find out more about like their personal life there's usually something that like you didn't want to see and I think this is as bad as Zendaya will ever get. Nothing about her performance or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that she bold-faced to millions of people lied and told, and told everyone that she was in this movie. She is in the movie. She, she is in the movie, but she is not in the movie. Okay, 99% of her screen time was taking <laughs> one shot, her looking like as Zendaya looks into the camera. You cannot convince all those visions that happened, like when she's like staring at him or like looking at him in his visions. I can guarantee you, they just took like 45 seconds of Zendaya staring at the camera once. And then they were just like, okay, we're going to use five seconds here. We're going to take this three seconds and put in this vision. It was one take. These were not multiple takes. These were not multiple days. It was one 45 second clip of her staring. And they're like, okay, we can cut, we can splice this and that'll be enough for all the visions. Zadea had two weeks of shooting and she was in every single promotional image. Every single every one. Every interview. Every single one. Every single person in the cast that posted on Instagram posted a picture of Zendaya, just for good measure. Like, mm-hmm. she's in there. They're like, oh, she's in there. Yeah, she's in there. Yeah, she's in there. Her, all the lines could fit on a flashcard. Like, whoop, little index card. That's it. Mm-hmm. Now, that's, that's obviously not a critique of Zendaya. Um, and, uh, and like, obviously her character, like I know Chani becomes much more important in the second half. So obviously they have to have her now so that we know who she is later. Because mm-hmm. um, that's less like story they have to build later. So I understand why they did what they did, but I will never forgive them. Because I didn't go into this movie for Zendaya, but I was really happy that she was there. Yeah. And then she really wasn't there. I should have known. Yeah. And movies have done that a couple of times where like, They'll have someone pretty popular be part of the cast. Mm-hmm. And then this person is underutilized and just like kind of just like hanging out and just there, but you don't see them as much in the film. Like the first thing that comes to mind for me is Assassination Nation, which is like this really weird movie, which we can talk about another time. Okay. But they said like Bella Thorne was supposed to be in the movie and she was in the film, but she barely had any lines. Mm-hmm. But they used her for a lot of the promotion details. So it was like, you know, and the cast was good. The movie was good, but she wasn't in it. See, and obviously, like, same thing with Dune. Like, the cast was amazing. Everything was great. I have no complaints about the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, 
it's I guess it feels a little bit weird weirder because a lot of times when movies do that, at least in what I've seen, it's usually someone who isn't an actor who's getting blasted everywhere. Like they're blasting like this famous like musician or this famous like singer, isn't it? Like I know a lot of times like when Ariana Grande was like first getting into acting roles, they would like blast everywhere, like, oh Ariana Grande is in this movie. Um yeah. they did this they did the same thing with like Taylor Swift, um oh, in yeah. like Valentine's Day or whatever, mm-hmm. and like cats. Uh, oh my gosh. But like they were like blasting everywhere, like, oh, Taylor Swift's in this movie, Ariana Grande's in this movie, and then they're like, you know, like they they have like their five, six lines in the movie, and then that's it. So but that feels more normal. When someone who's clearly not mainly an actress, um, or an actor or whatever, is getting promoted, like, oh, we have a, we have like this A-list celebrity here, even though obviously Ariana Grande was a Disney Channel star, blah blah blah. Um, but it seems weird or more unusual for them to do that with someone who is an actor or is an actress. Like Zendaya, like, yeah, she made music. Yeah, she was on Disney, but she is an actress. She yeah. is known. She has won awards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the same It just seems Ar- weird to do it. Wasn't she went in the um, uh, the Ryan Murphy show on Fox? Yeah. Scream Queens? Scream Queens, mm-hmm. Yeah, Scream Queens, yeah. They had her in, she was in that show for one episode. She was, yeah. like, one of the first people to die. Gone, mm-hmm. took her out, never see you in again. Like, it was over. It was dead. So I completely agree and understand. And uh, I also want to talk about like Kwisat Hatterach. Like they keep repeating that name for him. And they also like hinted at, um, what they hinted at? They hinted at like how Paul would have to die in order to Kwisat to emerge. Mm -hmm. And it was obviously like a misdirect where like, the movie was trying to tell us that Jameis was going to kill Paul because he saw that in a vision of his. And when he was fighting him, he was trying to get Jameis to yield. And of course, Jameis was like, yield for what, bro? What you mean? And then like Javier was like, "Um, we fight to the death, babe. So either stab him or get stabbed. What's up? What's good? So his mom was straight up like, well, he's never killed a man before. But you can see like this. Bop, bop, bop. He's about to. (laughs) (laughs) you see like the light in his head like switch and he like realizes that like all these visions i've been having all these things all these things destined for me i've been freaking out scared i can't run from this like at some point or another i gotta make a decision Mm -hmm. and so he obviously he kills him right and when he does you know the people see him and they respect him for it but his mom sees it like Something has changed in Paul. My son is dead. That's not, don't tell me that isn't exactly what she was thinking. And she saw, like, she she saw Paul and Chani look at each other, like, give each other a little look. And she was, like, smiling. And then immediately her face dropped. I was like, girl, don't do this. Go, don't grow in love, young love. Don't do that. You're going to get yourself twisted up, too. Don't do that. Like, exactly. Please. He's going to end up an orphan. You Sorry, aren't you the one who's pregnant right now? You're a concubine, babe. You're not, you're, you're literally a mama and the baby mama. Mm-hmm. What's up? So. You ain't got no ring. All right. Please. Do you want to explain why your last child is the same age as um, Paul and Chani's first child? Do you want to explain why they're in the same class? Why they're in preschool with each other? I didn't think so. Exactly. Keep it. Oh, shut. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much, girl. Yes. But I do think that like, they're gonna explore Hatterach and kind of like what's destined for Paul, definitely mm-hmm. like part two and kind of like the prophecies for it. Cause obviously when the Freemans saw Paul and Jessica, they did not believe 
that they were like the I forget the name for like the savior they had but the people said it when they first arrived at Iraqis I believe that's what the planet is called when they first arrived at Iraqis on the desert planet and the desert people were like watching them like walk across the sand and Mm -hmm. Paula had heard the name before but he didn't really understand it and then when Jessica was talking to Gaius she was like you know that what that means mother and son and I was like not this girl having a baby planning a baby at a certain moment so that she could be special so that she could be no literally like being a stage mom but for like dance moms could never Abby Miller wishes Abby Lee Miller come get your bag come get your girl too girl why don't you hop up in that scooter and go scoop oh wait okay please Rebecca Ferguson has taken the title but um but with that I really I like how they explore this and obviously they're going to explore a lot more in the second movie about um I guess how like powerless someone can feel when like their life is determined for them yeah. Like, because, like, we can clearly see that Paul doesn't, like, one, he doesn't want to be a killer. Um, and two, like, when he sees the villi- the visions of, like, wo- intergalactic wars being fought because of him. Like, he hates that. But at the same time, he doesn't really know how he can change it. And when he's in that fight and he has to kill Jameis, he realizes, like, oh, some of these I can't change. Like, some of these, like, like some of the, some of the time I actually have to become the type of person that they're saying I'm supposed to. Yeah. And it's, it kind of like, I don't know, it delves into like, I guess the fear that comes with like having your life pre-planned for you. Yeah. And it kind of talks about how like, there's like the fluid pace of uh, the future and like how, I think it's called the golden path is what it is. And he's kind of like nervous to go towards it because you want you like he makes this promise for to the free men that they will have peace when he already knows that he's destined to bring war upon the land which is another problem with this white savior trope is that these white people come into these places that they do not know and understand and they invade these cultures and these communities and at first it's to take the resources and then it's just to take lives just Mm -hmm. so you could pop yourself up as the hero of the story and maybe let me tell you something you are not luke skywalker all right Hit the bricks. You will never be that girl. You aren't that girl. You Mm -hmm. weren't that girl. You will never be that girl. Mm -mm. No. Absolutely not. My man, he faded out of existence. What you finna do? Poop. Gone. Nothing. Please. Also, I'm low-key interested in the breeding program that they did. I think they only talked about, like, a little bit in the movie. And, like, Mm. you notice how, like, the mom was talking to the doctor, but she used sign language, and Paul wasn't looking. And I was like, that's weird. That's interesting. I like the sign language, though. I like a little, ooh, I like a little, mm, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I'm kind of interested in that. That's also another thing that should be explored in the Dune universe. Um, you know, like the breeding program, the the freaking Gaius, and all that stuff. Yeah, there's there. a lot of history. We're really, we're really plopped into, like, the middle of, like, a century, centuries long of history with, like... yeah. Only, like, bare-bones context. Yeah. I mean, overall, like, it's a really good movie, and I think a lot of people were nervous to see the film because of, like, the expectations of the material that had to be adapted. And it did super well. And even though it was, like, long, it had to be long. Absolutely. You know? Okay. 
it had to be long so that people could understand the source material and kind of understand like and also like the music Hans Zimmer man eats down house down gosh wow are we playing that in my dreams sir it's it's so good and like I feel like there could have been more to the first part but I feel it's good that they held back Mm -hmm. you know it's good that they held back because now in part two they're not gonna I hope they don't go too big too bold but I hope they don't hold back too much you know what I mean like no it's gonna be it's gonna be a project Mm -hmm. absolutely it's going to be Mm -hmm. Hands down, slam. Because, like, let's be realistic. They, like, these people aren't stupid. They made this movie knowing that they were getting a part two. Like, there was never a second in their head where they were like, oh, well, if we don't get to make the second movie. So they, I bet they had the entire mm-hmm. thing already storyboarded. Yeah. Before production for the first one even started. Yeah. So they were like, oh, no, we, we don't worry. We have it all planned out. The full story is it's good. It's written. It's nice. It's beautiful. Trust us. Yeah, and I like, do. Definitely when he was sitting down and like storyboarding this whole thing, there's probably some person being like, well, are you sure you're gonna get like he was like, ma'am, look at me. I made a rival, Blade Runner. All right. This you say my name in these streets, they hear me. They know who I am. Mm-hmm. All right. Part two is in the back. All right. Tells the day to clear her clear her freaking schedule. All right. And done. they were right because greenlit and walking. So it's supposed to film in like June 2022. Yeah. So we finna see it. It's finna happen. Mm-hmm. And I love like the little kind of like details to the film. Cause there are a lot of things in the movie where like you're watching it in like you gotta if you're not I feel like if you're not somebody who watches movies and pays attention to movies, then there are some things that are gonna go over your head. Like with the blue eyes. It was kind of interesting to me. It was a little weird. I'm not going to lie. It did kind of knock me off my feet. Because I am like, when I see people wear collar contacts, I'm like, that don't look natural. It looks really weird. Yeah. I kind of got used to it after a while because of how they explain like the spice, you know, like the spice is part of the sand and how it's in hallucinogen and like it makes you like da 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 da. It didn't remind me of like shrooms. How like people mm-hmm. take a listen to drugs to like open their third eye before they meditate and things like that. Cause like I've heard of that. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting how like the freemen that live on Iraqis, the desert planet, and how the spice is just naturally part of their um, environment. environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How it opens your mind to like seeing things and hallucinating things, but also because you live there and you inhabit that planet, it becomes hereditary. And then mm-hmm. you can just like pass that on. And it's it's like because homie, Timothy Chalamet, uh Paul, he inhales the spice for the first time and he really does have like visions, like he's really going into his mind's eye. Exactly. His first time it takes him out. And the people there are used to it. So I feel like he can probably connect to them because he knows the way of the gayas. But I feel like also with the people, the gayas, they're kind of like sketch. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they're very much like the free men are very much people who are like, we connect to our ancestors. And the gays are like, mm, I'll read this one book my ancestors read. And it was passed out from 3,000 years ago. And I'm just going to read it forever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not to draw too close conclusions, but like, hmm, interesting. It's, it's easier. It's like the easiest way people can understand it. You know what I mean? So, yeah. And I love, like, I really like, I love the, like, Watching the movie, I kind of picked up on it 
and it's interesting but obviously if you're watching the film and you're just like somebody who just like watches movies just to watch movies Mm -hmm. you're probably just thinking like oh people who live in the desert they have blue eyes and then his eyes kind of change yeah in that one vision and so it's kind of like the more time he spends on the Rockies, the more time he spends in handling the spice, the more time he will be like connecting to them and connecting to who he is, you know, the Kiswa person, the Hatterack person that he like is kind of scared to become. But he, as he like continues on in this journey on the golden path, he will eventually take on the role of being the chosen one, leading the Iraqis, possibly to peace. Because he did have a vision of peace and not of war. Yeah. So possibly to peace and not to war. Hopefully we get to see that. But, you know, with Homeboy coming back with all his little uh, rain men, the gray men, you know, finna slice and dice everybody up, we don't know what's going to happen. You know, Batista might come in and just take out his mama. Who knows? What you going to do about it? I mean, he's obviously going to cry. He's always going to be sad. They always (laughs) got to make the Chosen's orphans. Like, they're always orphans. You notice that, right? Like... Or they don't talk to their parents or something like that. No. I think, I think it's just the easy. Okay, okay. Not to like. Actually, no. No apologies. I'm just gonna fly out and say exactly what I mean. It's just the quickest, easiest way to get the audience to feel sorry for a character because, like, a lot of people, like a lot of people in the real world, can relate to like either not being close to their parents or having like a parent that's dead, or having like both of the parents dead, or the parents divorced, something. Like almost everyone has some issue with their parents. Yeah. Um, so it's a really quick way to just like capture the audience. Like, oh, oh, I feel that. Oh, I feel bad for him now. Um, to the point that's almost cookie cutter and cliche. It's getting a little bit old. Mm-hmm. It's been old actually. I don't know why I'm lying. It's been old, but. Yeah, it's like the Superman trope. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, take the guy out of your home place and then put him somewhere like that's unfamiliar to them you know there's a quote that i had seen once in like a fan edit to be perfectly honest i know it's like a real quote from like a philosopher but I, no one cares it's the fan edit that matters yeah. <laughs> it's the fan edit that matters. if the philosopher had wanted it they should have put their name on it they should have made the fan edit I mean, they should have found a slowed down Mother Mother song and then put that on TikTok and got in over 100k likes. Don't forget the velocity edits. I mean, (laughs) come on. But the quote is, uh, show me a hero, give me a hero and I will show you a tragedy. Mm -hmm. Where like all heroes come from like terribly horrible backstories that leave them laden and lamented and sad and you notice every single time something bad was about to happen in that movie they put up the sad music they yep. turn that up they turn that up they're like super said it's time to cry yes queens we are emo in the club tonight absolutely 110 percent. but it is yes. true like it, i mean like i guess i would say like in the real world um, it's true a lot too. A lot of like the the greatest people, not necessarily the most successful people. That's different. I'm making a clarification there. But a lot of the best people, like truly amazing, great heroes, leaders, warriors, whatever, in our real world, typically have a tragic backstory. Like something has happened to them in their life that has like hurt them, damaged them, broken them. Um, and that's why uh, it helps them become such a great person. Um, usually because they develop empathy um, and they develop like the strength to like rely on themselves. And, you know, a lot of things come from like 
I guess, having bad things happen to you. So it's an unfortunate truth, but I think that's very much the truth. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, overall, I mean, I don't know what else I can say about the movie other than it was very good. Beautiful. Yeah, like, I think that the movie does a good job of actually like critiquing the white savior trope a bit. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's going to continue to do a pretty good job. I feel like for it to be a proper critique, it has to end badly for Paul. Absolutely. Like, Paul has to come down to something. Huh? I said dead. Oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Imagine if they killed him 15 minutes into the next movie. Imagine they kill him and then they take the role. Zendaya's like, oh, well, if somebody got to do it, I'll do it. I mean, ain't nobody else here but me. So I mean, I'd be... I'd be paid to be here, so might as well. Like, y'all gave me 10 lines in the other movie, y'all might as well give me this movie. The girls came to see me. Yeah, exactly. Okay, the only reason why your part two got greenlit was because my fans came to see me. So, run me my check. (laughs) Run my check. All right, let's see what's up. And also, I'm so happy that I, listen, there mm-hmm. are a lot of times where film studios in Hollywood, they see a book do well and it's great. It's like prosperous. And there are so many times where movie studios take classics and they put them through the shitter. But with So you're talking about like, uglies. They yeah. just announced they just announced <laughs> the uglies is gay in a series. <laughs> uglies and Percy Jackson. But Percy Jackson, we've been new. Uglies, I'm pretty sure, is a newer announcement. There's also a Percy Jackson musical that I haven't seen. And somebody oh. needs to find me the bootleg so I can watch it. It's okay. Anyways, but sorry, sorry. As you were going, as you were saying. As you were saying, okay. sorry. Before I rudely interrupted with the truth. Um... Did you tell me about Uglies, though? I completely forgot about that series. I completely <laughs> forgot about Neil Schuster. And the only reason why I remembered that it got announced is because someone was like, if they do the Uglies... And the ugly, pe- the like the the beautiful people in it are not like body modified, like there isn't CGI or something involved. That won't work because part of the ugly story is obviously like people who were like in our world would be ten out of ten, like hot as fuck, the hottest people in the world. Someone would look and be like, ew, gross, disgusting. So this a movie cannot have the pretty people, like you pretty people, play pretty people, and like less pretty people play the uglies. No, they need the pretty people to have like body modification horns okay they need to have wings coming out of their neck they need to be half snake i don't care what but there needs to be some major body modifications on these uh, on these pretty people so that mm. the attractive people in our world can play the uglies you need to either give me like face-off material prosthetics mm-hmm. you gotta be giving me dragon con or everybody who's pretty has to have a bbl all right <laughs> let's have a real discussion Let's have a real discussion. Let's have a real discussion. Yeah, put Kim Kardashian in a movie. Yeah, put her in that movie. I don't want the movie to fail. I want to enjoy the movie. Stop. Stop. <laughs> Come on. Let's laugh at Kim Kardashian. I know she's gone through enough, but let's put her through something else. You know I mean? <laughs> I'm kidding, of course, girl. Don't sue me, please. <laughs> that being said. Um, what was I going to talk about? Um, Bill, Okay. Stop interrupting me, Glad. Yeah, oh. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what I was going to say was Hollywood loves to adapt books to mm-hmm. films. They love doing it, okay? And a lot of times it doesn't work out well. Like, um, 
there was a movie that Amanda Stenberg was in that was like based off a YA movie. I forget what it's called, but it didn't do well. The book is good. The movie was bad. Okay. But Dune was seen as unadaptable because of the length of the movie and like the size and all the source material and all that stuff. And Watchmen was also seen as unadaptable too, but that's because the writer of Watchmen didn't want anybody adapting his film. And then Zack Snyder did a horrible remake in 2009, which didn't follow the source material at all. It was just not good. But then HBO comes in with this awesome mm-hmm. TV show about like the show, referencing the book, making really great references, mm-hmm. and honestly making so much sense because the HBO TV show Watchmen follows the comic book series, the events 30 years or 40 years into the future. Yeah. And it mirrors it so well because it goes off as like, what if the Cold War really ended and really stopped, but it was like an alien invasion mm-hmm. that really stopped the Cold War. And then you bring it into present day with like police brutality, mm-hmm. violence against black people, white supremacy. And of course, a lot of fans of the comic books were upset because why do you make everything my race? Why do you make everything PC? Babes. PC. Look around you. Everything in sci-fi is political. Everything about media, fandom, television that we watch, it's political. Yeah. What are you talking about? Sorry, I'm not sure if you realize what science fiction is literally made for, but science fiction was created to be a critique of the art world. Science fiction, I know that you get confused because of things like Star Wars, um, and you think, oh, that's supposed to be science. No. No, mama. No, no. Science fiction was created to poke holes in either things we do um, as a society, or in our technology, or in things like racism, classism, sexism, anything like that, that was what science fiction was created for. Dude, I'm sorry that Disney fooled you. I'm mm, sorry that you fell for Hollywood. Mm, like, literally, the book Dune, it is adapted based off of a, from a sociological lens, okay, and it can be traced back to the U.S. Department of Agriculture experiment that the author of the book, Frank Hubert, he had worked on in 1957 and he released the book in 1965. So you can trace back Dune to the experiment that he did with the US Department of Agriculture called They Stopped Moving the Sands and attributing and talking about like poverty grasses mm-hmm. and how plants can thrive as sandy. And like, it's like, how do these plants thrive in these bad areas where nothing is supposed to grow here? And then the poorest people live in these areas and they can still grow fruit and survive there and prosper there. And the book is based off of that itself. So yeah. you complaining about sci-fi being too st- too political, baby, Frank used to work with the government, okay? Shut up, close your mouth. Okay, you keep running it, running it, running it, and all I hear is trash. All I see is nonsense, nonsense. Close it, please. On behalf of everybody, close, no more. Silence, please. Mm -hmm. That is Mm -hmm. your friend. Silence is your friend, please. Embrace him, embrace her, embrace her. That being said, a lot of times, like, um, Hollywood likes to take things that are too big, too much, too wide and condense it into a movie format for like the masses for people to watch to get money to make money and oftentimes hollywood like they need to stop yeah stop making video games into movies oh. stop taking every every new york times bestseller and turning it into a netflix series or an hbo movie like a lot of times they do not do well and dune was not seen as something that was going to do well. Like people that do was unadaptable, people thought it was going to work, it was going to be good. Like you have an amazing cast of people and even an awesome director. But mm-hmm. there have been times where you have an amazing director try to create something 
and it just doesn't work out. The first thing that comes to my mind is Dee Rees with the film that she did with Anne Hathaway. Okay. It was a Netflix movie, and it's, oh my gosh, it just was in my head, and I completely blanked. No, stay with me. Dee Rees, Netflix movie. Because if you know Dee Rees, Dee Rees is an amazing American screenwriter. She's most well known for her movie Pariah, which is kind of like a loosely semi-autobiographical film. And, you know, she's a queer woman of color. She's amazing. She's phenomenal. She also directed Mudbound, which was nominated for an Oscar in like the writing category and the screenwriting category. And she has this film, The Last Thing He Wanted, and it is based off of a political book by Joan Didion. And Joan Didion is known for writing books that are very like complicated you know there's a mm-hmm. lot of nuances there's so much in Joan Didion's books and it's hard to read and understand and it takes time to break them all down and she was she like took the Joan Didion novel and she turned it into a political thriller film for Netflix and you know you have Anne Hathaway you have Ben Affleck you have William Defoe, you have Rosie Perez you have all these phenomenal actors and you have an amazing screenwriter who is very talented but the film failed like the film got 5% on Rotten Tomatoes. It did not do well. Mm-hmm. And I watched the movie and Netflix buried this movie. They did not want anybody to watch this film because when it was first announced that D. Reeves was going to do a movie with Anne Hathaway, it was plastered everywhere because D. Reeves is an amazing writer. And she's so great. Like Carrie, F- not Carrie Fisher, Carrie Mulligan. Carrie Mulligan, yeah, I believe her. Carrie Mulligan, like straight up was like D. Reeves or Ava DuVernay should direct the next Star Wars film. Like D. Reeves is that girl. So for her movie to not do well, it's not on her because she's still a phenomenal director and writer. It's because the source material was just not suitable enough to be made into a film. And Dune was seen and thought to be the same way, especially with like the expansion of the universe and all the books that it has and all like the source material behind the story of Dune. Mm-hmm. People seen it as people had seen it as unadaptable. But you can see right here, the movie did phenomenal. Like the movie's great. It's doing well in theaters. It's doing well in streaming services. People like it. It's getting really good reviews. It's like 86% on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, it's a great movie. And Dennis did an amazing job. And it really goes to show, like, the amount of time they took to, like, build the sets, do the makeup, like, study the source material, the screenwriters, the screenplay within this film is crafted to perfection. And there are some parts that they hold back on. There are some parts they could have added. There are some parts they changed. For the film's sake, of course, and for time's sake. And for them to be like arrogant, like cocky enough to be like, we're getting a part two, they're ready to assume that. Because guess what happened? Because they did. They did. They got part two. You know, sometimes you watch your own movie back. I, I, I'm, this is a personal experience, obviously. Okay. Sometimes you watch your own movie back and you're like, damn, I did that. Mm-hmm. Call yeah, everyone, I, part two's coming. <laughs> he's like, Oscars, don't even bother calling me. I'm, I'm actually busy. <laughs> I'm busy. I'm very busy. All right. Don't even care. I'm not even worried about it. Y'all ain't gonna hit me up for nothing. Y'all go, y'all finna see me. Okay. If you could give me the award, send it to my address. Uh yeah, he's he's just gonna be like, um, actually, I'm just gonna stay home. So uh y'all have a nice night. Have fun at your little party. I'm gonna be making bank. I'm going to be getting my bag. I'm going to be making another absolute smash hit. So just doing a little bit of proofreading. Going back to my library, finding what other unadaptable classics I can make into an absolute hit because you girls doubted me. Huh. Last time you're going to do that. Hmm. Mm. Hmm. Yes. It won't be. It doesn't <laughs> matter how good someone like that does. Mm. They will always get doubted. 
honestly. Honestly, and also that's another thing about Hollywood is that a lot of times these like filmmakers and directors who are white men make bad movies, terrible movies, they still do well. Sometimes? Let's pull up some statistics here. A majority of movies made from Hollywood are made by white men. I would also argue that a majority of movies from Hollywood are bad movies. Ipso facto, a majority of the bad movies that we have are directly because of a white director. I mean, not directly because of like a white director, but a white director made the bad movie. I'm just, if we're just using numbers here. Yeah, like I was thinking, um, Stellan Skarsgård, he was um, he was in the Chernobyl series. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Chernobyl is a phenomenal, phenomenal HBO show, obviously following the events of Chernobyl and how they hit it and how they like, you know, scurried it away and all that stuff. And the screenwriter for Chernobyl, that guy, he wrote Scary Movie 4, he wrote Scary Movie 3, he wrote the Hangover movies, he wrote the superhero movie that went straight to video, that went straight to like, you know, VOD, because no one's going to watch that. Yeah. And then here he goes. This man has made several films that have made under 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. And he gets another chance to work with HBO and he completely succeeds. Like the amount of times that white men in Hollywood fail up is astounding. And that's another thing. Like Dee Reese is a phenomenal director and screenwriter and she's amazing. She's incredibly talented. And even when she was making hits after hits after hits in movies, she was not getting the recognition she deserved. No, no, she no. Gets one, she gets one bad movie. I haven't heard from her since. Haven't heard nothing. If I got to roll up on somebody at <laughs> Universal, roll up on somebody at uh, Lionsgate, uh, roll up on somebody at, uh, 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 what's the place? A24? A24. 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 Leave Paul Thomas Anderson alone. All right? Unless I'm a better. Don't call Ari Aster no more. Don't call Ari Aster no more. He's done. He's done. Don't call him no more. I got somebody else for you. Yeah. Yeah. Also, that reminds me of like this tweet not a tweet, but something a white director said once where he was like, you know, horror films are great and amazing, but not a lot of women direct horror films because like women don't want to direct. And then people are like, no, there are female directors and female directors who direct horror films, but women do not receive the same opportunities in Hollywood as men do. You forgot that, didn't you, sir? They really be showing their true colors. All the ugly colors. Speaking of ugly colors, I think it's time for you to go on your Star Wars rant. Oh no, because I've been waiting. I've been waiting. <sighs> my Star Wars rant. All right. No, I'm prepared. So I recently read an article that Patty Jenkins was supposed to direct the newest Star Wars movie. A new Star Wars movie. A like, new one? Okay. Direct it. And she pulled out of the project because of the micromanagement and the plot by plot like points and criticisms that she was getting. And Patty Jenkins, she is someone who does not take like anyone's BS. You no. know, she was like, I don't need this. I don't like want this. You came to me because you wanted me to direct this movie. I'm gone. I'm done. I'm dipping. And it reminds me of when Patty Jenkins was supposed to direct Thor Dark World, I think it was. And Natalie Portman did not want to do the second Thor movie. She didn't want to sign on to it. But Kevin Feige brought on Patty Jenkins. So Natalie Portman was brought on. And then he fired Patty. And they kept Natalie Portman on. And then Natalie Portman has come back, of course, for Thor, Love God of Thunder, I think, whatever that is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The last, the fourth one with uh, our boy Takai. We love you. We love you, King. And it reminds me of how, like, 
there are these incredibly talented, hardworking directors, women, people of color, non-binary people, whomever they may be, that do not fit into the mold that Hollywood has had for years of cisgender straight white men directing these movies, writing these movies, being um, controlling these movie studios, financing these films, picking the people who win these awards for the films as well, and then putting these people in theaters mm. and also casting people for movies and giving them the right promotion for the films as well. Remember that because also Stephen McQueen directed a movie Oh, I forgot, I forgot what it's called. But he directed a movie. It had Viola Davis. It had Liam Neeson in it. And it was a really good movie. It was a really great movie. But it got no promotion. Sony did not push this movie. They didn't do no billboards. They did, did, do, they did not do nearly enough promotion for this film. Okay? There are people in the Midwest who didn't know that this movie was even out. And it underperformed when it shouldn't have had. Because you have a stacked cast of people in this film. It should have made so much more money. Like, it should have been nominated for awards. This movie was great. But there are... They did not push it enough. They did not promote it enough. They didn't do that enough. And it's so irritating how there are still people who look at Hollywood and they feel like it's too PC, it's too diverse. Like you'll give a black person any kind of role, look at a black director, any kind of movie. That's not true because they will bring on female directors or black directors to direct their movies, to direct their films, to direct their franchises, and then nitpick every single bit along the way, shoot down their ideas, not give them creative control. And of course, that's different for a lot of films like Eternals has Chloe Zhao and Black Panther has Ryan Coogler. Mm-hmm. They were giving creative control with their films, but with Star Wars, they let um, Homeboy do The Last Jedi and just completely throw every single thing that <laughs> The Awakens did out the window and just create whatever the fuck that was. You gave too much credit. He literally threw. You cannot convince me. Was it J.J. Simmons? We he did he did the other the guy. Answer? He did uh, Knives Out. He was the director of the Knives Out. Uh, uh, Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson. You cannot convince me. Wait a second. Wait, he's oh yeah. You cannot convince me that Ryan Johnson had seen a single Star Wars property in his entire life. I don't care if you have video footage of him watching the movies, you will never be able to convince me by the movie that he directed that he had ever seen a single Star Wars film, series, probably. I can't, you can't even convince me he had a lightsaber growing up as a kid. None of it. No, none of that. None of that. It's absolutely bonkers to me. Talking about, oh my gosh, you're literally talking about um, Star Wars, oh frick, Ryan Johnson. There was someone in my head that I was going to bring up, but I literally forgot. It just blinked on me. You were talking about Patty Jenkins. Was, were you okay? Yeah. yeah. Let's just go back to Patty Jenkins. There okay. was someone else I was going to bring up, but I completely forgot. I completely blinked on that. But, okay. Patty Jenkins. With her, like, her being completely just dismissed by two large companies twice, it's not a critique on her. Because we already know she's a great director. Absolutely. Like, we've seen Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Obviously. We all in the same theater, weren't we? We were. Mm-hmm. We saw the numbers. We saw the box office numbers. We saw the views. We saw everybody do this. Sorry, and sorry, sorry, everything. sorry, really quick. What studio does Wonder Woman belong to? DC. Oh, okay. And how c- I can count on two fingers the amount of good movies that DC has had. It was mm. Wonder Woman and then it was Shazam. 
I would say Wonder Woman, Shazam, Birds of Prey. Oh, true. I forgot. Birds of Prey is here yeah. now, too. Birds of Prey. Mm-hmm. Okay, sorry. I can count on three fingers. Yeah. And wait, Birds of Prey. Was Birds of Prey? Birds of Prey was directed by a woman, too, right? Yeah, it was by, um, why can't I remember her name? Um, now I feel bad. Um, Kathy Yang. Kathy Yang. Yes. Yin. UFC. Oh, I, I'll give DC credit. I'll also include the new Suicide Squad directed by James Gunn. That was also, yeah. that was, that was a decent to good movie. I enjoyed the movie. So four, I can count on four fingers the amount of good movies that the DC universe has. Right. We'll, 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 we'll give you that. We'll give you that, DC. Mm-hmm. So obviously, if you are somebody who is a studio executive, if you're someone who is looking for someone to be a director, to be a writer, a screenwriter, to be the next leader into your foray into a very popular franchise and you see a director who has taken a dying franchise that has made terrible movie after terrible movie horrible reviews bombs the box office a literally literal joke makes one movie revives the reputation of that one franchise with that one movie would you not let that person have creative control over their script over the story over the film would you not because clearly she's doing something that nobody else was doing. Clearly she did something different. Clearly there was something that like Wonder Woman. Let's be realistic. People love Wonder Woman. Okay, mm-hmm. like she's she's like an icon in the DC universe even before like this movie, obviously. But people were not dropping their panties over Wonder Woman. People didn't just go and see it because it was Wonder Woman. They went and saw it because it was good. Okay, uh, question: Why didn't Superman v Batman, which has the two biggest Two of the biggest superheroes in history, but by far the biggest superheroes that the DC has. Why didn't that movie perform? Why did that movie fail? Hmm. Very interesting how, and then how come, like obviously it was because of the fans, but how can we get the Snyder cut? I know that's from the Justice League, not from from Batman v Superman, but how come for a pretty much bombed movie like the Justice League, we are able to get the Snyder cut because of you know, fan outcry, fan, I, I want to call it rage, but like fan petition, whatever. But when the fans are screaming and shouting and praising a movie like Wonder Woman, why don't you listen to us then? Why don't you listen to us when we're telling you this movie is good, let her do more work? You only listen to us when we're saying something that supports one of your, your golden boys. What? Yeah, I like, y'all will give 110 chances to these white men. There's someone who doesn't even deserve one. How is it that Ryan Johnson, that's his name, right? Ryan Johnson? Ryan Johnson, mm-hmm. Makes one of the worst Star Wars films, one of the most hated movies. Like, fans are literally ready to, like, beat up John Boyega and my girl, Kathy Marie Chan, who did not deserve the hate that was given to her. Okay, Absolutely not. For her to the day, Absolutely to not. The day, to the day, to this day. What? Anyways, Ryan Johnson... Ryan Johnson did not receive enough backlash, did not receive enough flack for that, because that man literally bounced back with another movie and was just like, oh, this is great. This is amazing. Like, is Knives Out a good movie? Yes, it yeah. was. But the way that he was just given another chance without even a think, without even a like, without just like, boom, without even a second thought. And yet you want to question Kathy, not Kathy. Patty Kathy. Jenkins. Patty mm-hmm. Jenkins. You want to question her? My good sis. Also, I am very concerned since we're talking about this because because Chloe Zhao, um, who directed, uh, so she directed Eternals. 
Um, she is a two-time uh, award-winning director, I believe. I believe she has two awards. So obviously this is a little bit of next week, a little teaser for next week. Um, but like Eternals didn't do quite as well as people hope. There's a lot of mixed reviews. Overall, people are enjoying it, but it's not like amazing, especially for a Marvel movie. <gasps> if you dare, Hollywood just in general, if you dare like remove her from the scene, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because she gave you this script. You didn't come up with this script and then give it to her and like, you know, just like try to make something. She gave you this script when because she passed on the Black Widow and she made an amazing movie. Obviously, there's problems with it. There's problems with every single movie. She made an amazing movie that was topping box office records during COVID. But just because it underperformed a little bit for a Marvel movie, I better not see anything about her. I don't want to see her disappear from the scene. And I know that she's going to because I know how Hollywood works. We got her. We got our eyes on you. We got our eyes on you. All right. Listen. Watch out. All right. Watch out. All right. Yeah. And we're coming. Mm, <laughs> like we're right here. Okay. What's up? What's good? And like Star Wars in of itself. Like there have been a couple of people that have tried to like. I know like the the Game of Thrones people, the writers we're literally given like a, a chance to make a Star Wars film. And obviously that was shot down because with everything with Game of Thrones, people realized that, hey, maybe white men who don't read their source material or don't back up the source material isn't a good choice for a director, director the second time. The first time, definitely not. Second time around, no. What a concept. So, what a concept. Imagine, imagine having somebody be a part of a franchise, a film that you make, and actually knowing the source material so they get reference back to it. As if fans don't rewatch those movies every freaking Christmas. Yeah, excuse me, um, Ryan Johnson, proof, okay? Literally, I want, uh, I want to, how long? It would literally, it, it needs to be like a 24 hour video of you watching every single Star Wars property. Well, at least all of the movies, at least all the movies. I want to see receipt. Yeah. I want to see a tick movie ticket stub. I want to see an Amazon receipt. I want, I want you something. taking an ugly picture next to the movie poster. Like, I, and I'm not seeing any of it. I want to see a DVD. I want to see something. I want you to spell the word Skywalker. I want Every you shot, to tell spell me. <laughs> tell, I want you to tell me what ship did Han Solo fly in on? What's the ship called? Mm -hmm. Quickly. Please. <laughs> Where is Luke Skywalker from? Where's his planet? What's his planet? What's the name? Hmm. Okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. Yeah. But obviously, like, I'm a little bit glad that Patty Jenkins isn't directing a Star Wars movie because if it wasn't up to the fans' impossible standards, they would automatically blame her as a female director and then blaming her as a female director would then, like, result back on her, like, come back on her. Because the same way with John Boyega, how he, like, spoke out about how the fans are racist and, like, completely unfair and we're just, like, sending him death threats. He then has been starting to get blackballed by Hollywood very slowly. Because he's done, like, two other movies since Star Wars, but no one's heard anything about it or any kind of promotion towards it. And he hasn't done a lot of interviews or anything like that. So it seems very clear that Hollywood is kind of, like, trying to push him out. The same thing with Kelly Marie Tran, because, like, she did a Facebook watch series with Elizabeth Olsen. And I think she's also doing another movie, but we haven't heard a lot about her since then. And it's very obvious that Hollywood is more focused on pleasing people 
when it comes to people of color that they would rather just like kind of push out because they only brought them in for diversity's sake mm-hmm. than pleasing the fans when it comes to their boys, their friends, you know? So if Patty Jenkins had made a Star Wars film and it wasn't completely 100% perfect without any kind of flaws whatsoever into Star Wars, in Star Wars fans' eyes, they would have just, they would have like written her off either way. So they weren't planning to take her seriously or pay attention to her or anything. They saw the block, they saw the box office numbers, they saw the reviews, they saw the critical acclaim and success, and they thought, ooh, female director, that's good. But they realized, oh, women speak too much. Women talk, women think things. Oh mm-hmm. no, women have opinion. Bad. Throw women out. Throw women out. So yeah. Yeah, that's how I feel. That's yeah. how I feel. And it sucks because like as a Star Wars fan, I really do love the movies and it's hard being a black Star Wars fan mainly because like people are like oh Star Wars is for white people and like I get that because like it is I get that yeah but I love the movies like I love the movies and I like the prequels too like I'm the kid that like the prequels I like the Clone Wars like I have a friend of mine she loves reading the books and she likes listening to like podcasts about Star Wars and I'm just trying to get into that too and I love like learning about the lore and stuff mm-hmm. like that and understanding things about Star Wars but obviously like it's hard to be a Star Wars fan now because most people only know like the sequels and those do not hold up. Yeah. So, yeah. If y'all had just made John Boyega a Jedi like you were supposed to in the first place, we wouldn't be having these problems. Mm. Well, we probably would have different problems, but yeah, you know, well. I would have been happier. <laughs> I would have been happier. Anyways, yeah. I guess we could just move into our the all past segment where we talk about TV shows and movies that we are not watching because we're just going to pass on it. And I started on Star Wars, and I went in on that. So you can go ahead, Glenn. Tell me what you're passing on. Um. So first, I feel the need to just give this blanket statement. I will probably be passing on basically every Christmas movie that's going to be coming out in the next month and a half. Yeah. Um, we already have The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. I don't know what more Christmas movies you really need. <laughs> yeah. Especially because, like, I know that you brought this up last time, but uh the princess switch three it really makes me feel some type of way and the type of way is over life um and i know that most of the movies that are going to come out christmas related around this time are going to be about the same caliber as the princess switch movies so yeah Yeah. i don't know like any specific ones that i'm directly going to avoid um just like the genre in whole yeah i feel like definitely around thanksgiving it's very obvious that Christmas movies, especially like ones that Netflix makes, they are made for like families. They're made for like the moms. They're made for like people to sit around the like sit around after dinner, just kind of like watch because that's the thing you can do. Like after the football game's over, like oh we're gonna watch. Like let's watch this movie on Netflix. It's just something to have on. You know what I mean? While you're like cleaning up and just like hanging out and like you're not actually paying attention to the movie. You're like really talking to your family, but like you know it's just something to have on in the background. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like. Um, I don't really like watch Christmas movies all that much. They're all the same, you know? Like you have a woman who works a high power job in a metropolis city, let's say New York. And then she goes to like a small town in the Midwest or in the South. And, you know, she has to fix a business or her parent is dying or she has to reconnect with her family that she's been estranged from for a while. And then a high school sweetheart comes up Bada bing, bada boom, she falls in love, even though y'all have only been talking for like less than a month. And she decides yeah. to leave her wonderful apartment, high paying job, 
and just live in the middle of Bodunk Town nowhere so that she can continue to get, I don't know, farmer dick. So yeah, I'm also going to be passing on like, uh, 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 oh, I'm going to be passing on romance movies. There's a very specific romance film I am passing on. Oh. And it came out recently. And oh my gosh, I read the the the, the, the synopsis for it because I just saw it like on Netflix, like when it popped up, like it was new. And it's called Love Hard and it stars Jimmy Yang. I love Jimmy Yang. He's a really funny comedian. He's great. Like Asian men being in romance films, I'm all for it. Y'all have your moment. Y'all have your moment, please. Manny Jacinto, I love you. I love you, King. Simo Liu, you know, because the Reddit, the Reddit thing was a little off-putting, you know, and some other things that came out on Twitter was a little, uh, so, mm-hmm. like, uh, uh. but you know, I love Jamil Yang. I think he's really funny. I think he's really great. Also, Henry Golding, I love you, my king. Yes, Jamil Yang, I think he's really funny. He's a really awesome comedian, and I was really happy to see him in this romance film because it gave me, like, always be my maybe vibes. Uh-huh. Like, you know, we love Randall. Mr. Randall, we love him. Always be my maybe. And then WandaVision? King, he's killing it. We love oh. you, King. Amazing. So I saw Love Hard on Netflix, and I was like, "Oh, I'm probably gonna watch that." And I decided to like look at the trailer, and essentially, it's about this girl Nina Dobrev. She finds out that this guy's been catfishing her, so she decides to like pop up and surprise him. Oh. Uh-huh. First things first. I hate catfishing romance. Facts. Catfishing is tired. It's tired. The amount of time and energy you're going to put into to pretend to be someone else online and talk to somebody and pretend to be someone you're not to fall in love with someone else and then question yourself, like, there's something going on with you and you should not be seeking romance. You should be seeking a therapist. Mm-hmm. Please. And it's also, it also sucks because, like, your cat, you have a film with an Asian-American lead male lead when oftentimes in popular media asian american males have not been seen as suitable partners for jokes that are not funny and i will not be repeating because that is in poor taste mm-hmm. and you have this very funny very talented comedian who really does deserve like a film of his own but he's playing this character who essentially is just not being himself not being his true self yeah it's gross and also like why why are you doing this? Like, why do I have to see this? You know what I mean? Like, please. It's like, I feel pretty. And that other movie that Rebel Wilson did, that oh, she did, oh. where she got hit over the head and her head was in a musical and she falls in love. Like, why is it that you have to have people who are deemed unattractive, unlovable, not put in lanes of romance films for so long in Hollywood because they're not seen as their romantic leads or romantic types of people who are seen to have romance and da, 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 all that stuff. And then you have them find romance in the worst possible situations, in the worst ways possible. Why was it that the half of it, this girl had to help some hillbilly boy fall in love with a girl that she was in love with because she was too scared to talk to the girl? Why was it that I feel pretty, Amy Schumer that hit her head in order to feel like she can love herself why do fat people have to feel delusional in order to think that they deserve love in order to love themselves in order to come to terms with their bodies why do fat people have to lose weight in order to relieve love in order to feel respected in society why is that why do asian american men have to jump through seven different hoops in order to be in any romance film yep y'all get under my skin this is stupid it's tired Make a romance movie. Just make it. I don't need the conf- conf- I don't need the stupid plot. I don't need things that don't make sense. I don't need y'all to do this, that, and the third to try to make it interesting. I want dates. I want pillow talk. 
I want cuddling. Oh, I want to meet the parents. I want to make a dinner for my friend, for my lover, and I want it to burn, and then we go get Chinese. Yeah, I want something exactly. sweet and soft and wholesome and warm inside, okay? I want to all the boys I loved before. It's not my favorite movie, but it's good, all right? They did that right, all right, Elise. The one Noah Centennial movie I can actually watch without wanting to throw him out a window. Jesus. It's not hard. It's not hard. It's just that you people don't You would think it was, wouldn't you? You would really think it was. It's with not. the way they fight it, kicking and screaming. You people write these movies and then you make all these people jump through hoops in order to love themselves. I do not have to lose 100 pounds to love my body. I do not have to have a literal concussion, head injury, head trauma to love my body, understand that I am worthy of love, okay? Asian American men do not have to pretend to be white men who are seen as the romantic leads, the hot stereotype, the, you know, the body, the, 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 the European bullshit, European standard beauty bullshit in order to realize that they're also handsome and they're also beautiful. Because Manny Jacinto literally said in the interview for the show that he's in Perfect Strangers that he used to think that he wasn't attractive, that he wasn't beautiful. I'm looking at this man sculpted by God himself. I'm like, sir, why So society really be lying to all of us. Why supremacy got y'all in a chokehold for real? And you need to be released. Released. Let me free you, my king, please. Because Manny Jacinto is too beautiful to be thinking that he is ugly. Sir, mm -hmm. never never yeah that's the first thing i'm over like i saw that movie and i was just like already i'm like i'm not even gonna watch it i'm not watching it i'm not gonna bother watching it i do not care y'all cannot convince me why don't i go just give it a chance why don't i can just look at it no why do i have to watch a movie and give it a chance no. in order to determine whether or not i like it the trailer needs to tell me whether or not i want to see the movie if i don't want to see something by the trailer it did its job what mm -hmm. that's it like that that all right let me not yell no more. Let me, uh, <laughs> Glenn, is there anything else you're going to be passing on? Um, nothing that really jumps out. Like I said, like most, of, um, okay, wait, I might be passing. I might be passing. I haven't officially decided yet, mm -hmm. but there's a new West Side Story coming out and oh. I'm not necessarily going to pass on it because it will be bad. Mm -hmm. However, West Side Story was the first musical that I ever had the soundtrack memorized to. Like, mm -hmm. I was like fucking four years old in love with that musical, okay? That's, that will always hold a special place in my heart. Um, especially like, you know, the original movie version. Yeah. So I might just not watch it because I don't want to tarnish the wonderful images I have of it in my head. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's one of those cases of, did we, did we really need the remake? Like, I know they're going through this vibe right now where they're remaking um, movie musicals. Like, we got Newsies. Mm -hmm. um, we had The Prom. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, I'm sure there's more that I'm forgetting. Um, cats. Cats. Yep. Yep. Um, oh, so they were in The Heights. Oh, yeah. In The Heights. Yeah. We're, we're just kind of, like, on a trend right now of doing it. You could have left West Side Story alone. Yeah. Yeah, um, I don't know. I feel like I really wasn't going to check out West Side Story because I feel like they did the same thing they did with In the Heights mm -hmm. with casting mainly, with not casting enough Afro-Latino um, stars. And like Rita Moreno, I love you, queen. I love you, house down, like Boots Mama. Like <laughs> you are an icon. You are a legend. In you are right, the moment. You are wrong as well. Like it's not hard to find Afro-Latino um singers in mm -hmm. to be in your movie 
because y'all had plenty of them in Hamilton. Oh, I even forgot about Hamilton. Did you lose their number? Did you lose their email? What happened? Yeah. You can have a diverse cast of one musical, but not in the rest of yours. Hmm. But not in the rest. Huh? Please. Y'all have like two Afro-Latino people in your movie and that's it? Okay. Sure. Whatever. But yeah. I mean, no hate. Like, Because I know like Renee Zegler, I think she's like a pretty young actress and this is like her first big role. And I'm excited for her because of that. And I know she's going to be great in the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know she's going to be great. But um, movie musicals are never really my vibe. You know no. what I mean? Also, the live musicals that NBC used to do on Thanksgiving, not also not my vibe. <laughs> musicals are musicals. You should just film musicals that are on Broadway and then put them online so we can watch them and I can stop looking up slime tutorials oh, and bootlegs holy. made up of someone's iPhone. All right? Stop playing with me. Just make it simple. Make it simple. Make it clean. Thank you. And oh, I have another thing. Oh, go ahead. That I'm going to be passing on. In my notes. Um, so you remember, um, do you know a little uh comedian, little actor, uh writer by the name of Bo Burnham? Oh no, I've never heard of him. So <laughs> Bo Burnham is a very popular comedian. He first started on YouTube, going very viral, and he has three very successful uh Netflix specials, comedy specials, and they are accompanied by music. He does musical comedy stylings, he's very talented. Uh, you know, he does the self-aware comedy bit. You know what I mean? Um, I like his music. I think he's pretty great. Do I think he is like the best comedian to ever walk the place of the earth? No, but I do appreciate his comedy and his remarks on uh, the world. Some of his older stuff has not aged well, you know, but uh, that's his conversation for another day. So Bo Burnham and his record label Republic, they submitted his, uh, you know, his album for Inside, his Netflix special, mm-hmm. to the Grammys for the comedy category. Mm-hmm. And it is uneligible. Yep. So instead of it going into the comedy category, I believe that they're going to put it in for compilation soundtrack for visual media. And I just want to ask, what the fuck is this? Best compilation soundtrack for visual media. Literally, what does that mean? Literally, what does that mean? The same thing for Euroversion. A beautiful frozen hello inside is it frozen hi hello yeah inside is it jojo rabbit <laughs> isn't hans zimmer this is bo burnham all right baby do you know how many people are gonna have bo burnham in their spotify rap series this week almost every mental ill kid you can find on tiktok yes, so ma'am. i don't understand grammys why we have to be so extra put him in the comedy category it's not hard they did this with billboard they did this with Tiffany. They keep doing this shit where they keep putting, jumping through hurdles and not putting people in the categories they belong in. Y'all doing too much. It's irritating. It is exhausting. It is annoying. And I'm sure Bo doesn't care. I'm sure Bo is like fine living in his house with his two dogs and his beautiful partner, doesn't care about the awards and was happy to release his Netflix special that was important to him. He did it with no audience, no crew. It's great. It's an awesome special. It's wonderful. The house that he filmed it in, it's getting sold for $3 million. Mm-hmm. So obviously Bo is doing fine. Bo is like, literally, Bo is well. Bo, Bo is not freddied over the fact that his music is not in comedy. Like, he he doesn't care that he's not going to win a Grammy. You know, he's not going to show up. If he did show up, he would show up in jeans and, like, a t-shirt. And then, like, Saweetie would want to take a picture with him. And then Doja Cat would want to, like, take a picture with him. And then Lizzo would, like, make a TikTok with him. And he would, like, stand in the background looking awkward like 30 year old white man that he is because that's his personality 
I'm just irritated because the work and the effort that he played to it, I can admire it. Like mm. insight is good. I like insight. I'm yes. not going to say it's the best thing I've ever seen in my life and that it's completely changed my life and the way that I see the world and everything like that. Like you singing about climate change, we know. Like you singing about how the world is screwed up with a sock as a voice for the people, a little tone deaf, but okay. Like we can talk about Bo Burnham another day. I just want to say, Grammys, you're trying my patience. Every, all of y'all are doing too much. All of y'all are being- And still too little at the same time. How do you manage to do both? Pick a lane, pick a struggle. How can you do too much and too little? You're going to nominate Jay-Z for eight nominations to give him no awards. You're going to nominate Beyonce for like 10 nominations to give her one award for the night. And she is still the most decorated, most award-winning Grammy artist. Hmm? She still is. Yeah, y'all tried it. Y'all tried it. All right. Okay. All right. Y'all can keep talking. Y'all can keep talking. Y'all can keep talking. I don't care. That's fine. Make your excuses. That's okay. That's cute, girl. You can keep that to yourself. All right. Let me know. Let me know when you're finally give Kate, Kate Tandra uh, a Grammy after he's been in the game for literally 10 years. Worked with literally every single Grammy award-winning artist. When are you going to give him a Grammy? Where's his Grammy? Nice Where's try. his Grammy? Huh? Yeah. Don't think that I'm okay with you and I'm cool with you because you gave Megan one. Don't think we're okay. Don't think we're fine. That was expected, actually. Yeah. Just so you're aware. Like, you giving Megan one wasn't, like, reparations or anything. That was mm-hmm. who should have won the award. Right. So, but I got you. I got you, babes. <sighs> yeah, I feel like that's it. I feel like I've yelled. <laughs> I feel like I've gotten almost everything off my chest that I need to get off of. Um, I did not anticipate being this upset. Um, I thought like- Well, we did get you talk about Star Wars. So that was on us. That was our fault. We did see this coming. Yeah. Um, Also, just one other thing. Mm Because I had previously mentioned this in a previous podcast. I just want to bring this up just to like bring it back to, uh, you know. Um, Zazie, Zazie Beats, of Miss Atlanta, mm-hmm. of Deadpool 2, of The Harder They Fall. Mm-hmm. It's not that you're not Black enough in general. It's that you were not Black enough for the role. You are playing a character who was a dark-skinned Black woman, also a heavy-set dark-skinned Black woman. That was not for you. That role wasn't for you, and you should have turned it down. You going in an interview, talking about how you're born in Germany, how you're mixed race, how you're biracial. All these biracial people have the same argument. I don't feel like I'm black enough. I don't feel like people expect me enough. Babe, we know you're black. We're fine with that. No one was confused. No one was confused. We don't care. You know who does care? The casting directors. Yep. Because they don't want to cast Letitia. Well, no one's going to cast Letitia now because of all the things she's doing on the Black Panther set. People are not casting um, I'm so mad about that. We don't need to talk about it. We don't need... I shouldn't have brought it up the first No, because we'll bring it up next week because that's part of Marvel. <laughs> that's part of Marvel because we'll bring it up next week. Uh, oh. Be prepared. Bring the seats. <laughs> oh, gosh. But um, there are so many dark-skinned Black women that could have taken that role. Danielle Brooks, first of all, could have easily taken that role. Absolutely. Easily. She's already worked with Netflix before. So it would have made sense for her to take that role. She was literally... like, She looks like Stagecoach Mary. You don't, you don't. And you going in the article talking about like your white boyfriend and your biracial heritage. Girl, nobody cares that you're German. Nobody cares that you're biracial. That's fine. You have a white boyfriend. That's fine. Guess what? Okay. Most people are biracial. Most popular 
black female actresses are biracial yeah. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because casting directors will only cast black people black women in roles unless they have european ancestry exactly look at every single new netflix show and look at the black women in them they pass the paper black test they pass with flying colors absolutely so you also passing the test like what and this is also on like the film producers obviously regina king mm. babe i love you but um cut it out mm, babe i love you i do but this was a mistake this was a mistake and you know i it's the same thing like you remember alexandra ship uh, um she was cast as storm in the new x-men movie. oh yeah mm-hmm. and then x-men was bought acquired by like fox or something or like acquired by someone else yeah and she's like they're not gonna recast it like i don't need to match a crayon in a comic book like this is not about you not being black enough it is about the fact that like we're fine with your blackness but it becomes a problem when you start playing characters when you start taking on roles that are meant for people of a different complexion that are literally written in the script meant for people of different complexion. Stagecoach Mary was not a thin biracial woman. She wasn't. So you playing that role? Historically inaccurate. You're making a film about black cowboys and how they are erased from history and erased from film media and how they're not talked about in popular media. You know who else is erased from film? Who else is not given roles? Who's not given the spotlight, the sunshine? You know who else is? Dark-skinned black women. Mm-hmm. All right? Just, it's not a critique on her acting or her not being good enough for the role. I understand that people are like, you need to get the right actor for the role, the person who fits the role best. I understand that and I get that and I see that, but you also need to acknowledge the fact that Hollywood has a problem with colorism, especially when it comes to certain media, especially black media, because y'all love to put light-skinned women and have them be palatable and quiet and understanding and eloquent speaking. And the dark-skinned women are loud and irrational and yell a lot and are angry, okay? You do this all the time, and I'm tired. You literally have a character within history who was loud and angry and brutal, and it would make sense for you to cast a dark-skinned Black woman in that role because it matches her description. She fits history. every stereotype they're trying to push on us. And it's positive. Because yeah. it's a positive story. Mm-hmm. It's a good story. It's historical. It's bringing up, like, and you don't do that. You don't do it. Y'all kill me. Y'all kill me with this. And I know that, like, you're going to, like, turn, people are going to try to turn this around to us I don't care. Divine Joy Randolph literally played Lady Reed and Dolomite is my name. She is a Tony Award-winning actress. She was also in a show with, um, Zaz, no, what's her name? Um, Frick, Frick. It was High Fidelity. And it had Homegirl, she's going to be a Batman. Zoe Kravitz. Yeah. Like, Divine Joy truly would be great for this role and she would have been awesome she would have been awesome for the role was she cast in the role no she wasn't mm-hmm. she is in the united states versus billy holiday she is in the guilty the new Hall movie she was in the last og like she is getting these roles you know she's not new to this she's true to this so for y'all to pass on her divine joy to pass on danielle brooks and to just go straight for someone who does it's it's tired i'm tired okay y'all keep doing the same thing especially netflix because every single new netflix show with a black uh, girl in it is light skin mm-hmm. like literally um what's the man he made blackish for what's his name he created a show on netflix about his family 
and how they are like blackish or whatever. And every single kid in that show is light skin. Rashida Jones is his wife. Like, I understand Rashida Jones is black. She is. She is black. Kenya Barris. Mm-hmm. Kenya Barris. Yeah. It's, y'all need to leave it alone. Y'all, you're making me tired. Like, I get that, like, you know, we all have our own insecurities about things. We all feel a certain way about, like, how we look and who we are and our identity and the way we move in the world. But light-skinned people need to understand that your feelings are trumped by history. Mm-hmm. Your feelings are trumped by very clear patterns within history that stem from white supremacy that Black creators perpetuate as well. So don't even play with me, all right? We can spend all day talking about every single example in Black media that uses a light-skinned women to be palatable and dark-skinned women to be angry and irrational. So, girl, I don't know what you whining for. You're going to be in Deadpool 3 anyways. Yeah, you're part of the MCU now. The MCU effect is literally about to take hold of you. You're in Deadpool 3. Atlanta is filming right now. If you turned down this role, you would have gotten two more the next week. Exactly. You're fine. Your career is, yeah. your career is like, not to insult you, but your career is just starting. So for you to turn down this role was nothing. And it's the same thing with like, uh, for like Yara Shahidi taking the role in that movie with Charles Melton, where she's supposed to play a Jamaican immigrant. And she is biracial. Jamaican, Im- Jamaican from Jamaica. Black parents, both black. Yara, look at me. Don't play with me. Amanda Stenberg playing that girl in The Hate You Give. Even like the author of the book had to be like, I write books. I don't cast movies. Mm -hmm. That's not my problem. Don't talk to me about that. I didn't put her in the film. You know, obviously Hollywood has a short list of actresses that they use. Laura Harrier, Zendaya, Amanda, Yara, and now Zazie. Mm-hmm. You're in the club, Queen. It's very limited, I hear. And I was like, Lovey Simone is right there. Oh. <laughs> like, scooch her on the list. Please let my girl do something. Please. Sailor and the Spades was so underrated and not talked about enough. But yeah, y'all need to stop playing with me with this colorism shit. It's annoying. It's stupid. It's, it's irritating. Don't try and pull the cast the best person for the job, da 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 da, all that. You know that there's bias in Hollywood. And everyone holds that bias. Everyone has advice, whether it's implicit or not. Kenya Barris literally made a show about blackness and racism to make it palatable to white people. And then made a Netflix show about a black family where everyone is light skinned. Mm-hmm. Rashida had to put on too much bronzer to look at least a little bit mixed. Babes, we know you're black, but you look white. All right. Them freckles don't play. All right. The freckles don't play. They're there. Mm-hmm. Your hair is brown, babes. It's giving slightly curly. It's giving beach waves. It's giving wavy. Mm-hmm. All right. You're not even giving Hermione. Not oh. even close. So what's up? You're like 3-8. All right. Let's not play here. Yep. I think that's it. I think I'm done. <laughs> okay. I feel like I have said all I need to say. And the last thing I want to say, I can't wait to watch Secession. Mm-hmm. I've been putting it off for so long because I like to binge things, but I've been waiting for too long. So I'm definitely going to binge it very soon and obviously i'm gonna have to do research on the uh marvel thing for next week but uh yeah i feel like that's it unless there's anything you want to say before we hit the road i don't believe so no i think we're all good here 
All right, then. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the podcast. I've made to watch that. Uh, you know, we talked about a lot of stuff today. We had a lot of fun. We had little rants. I went off once again. But then again, when do I not shut my mouth? You know what I mean? Mm. It's literally a podcast. <laughs> so I'm supposed to be talking. Nah, 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 you know? So thank you guys so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Be sure to follow us on Instagram. Be sure to follow us on Spotify. Listen to the podcast. Share with your friends. All right. We'd love to see you in the Instagram DMs. If you have any suggestions for us, please let us know. You can support this podcast on anchor.fm. You can support us for 99 cents a month, $4.99 a month, or $9.99 a month. Anything you could do, we appreciate it too, so much. And we will see you guys in the next podcast. Also, shout out to my cousin, Madrina. We're recording this on her birthday, and she told me that she listened to the podcast. She really liked it. Oh, so, yeah. I don't know if you made it all the way through. I Because she, like, she said she listens to stuff. I don't know if she listens all the way through because I feel like this is going to be a long one. But if you made it to the end, hey, Madrina. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, queen. Ah. Ah. Okay. We'll see you guys next week. Yeah. See ya.